Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports page and Doghouse from Federal Baseball on the line. After a 7-4 win over the Miami Marlins, the Nationals take 2-3 in D.C. Dave, will start with the pitching and the sort of bad news on Strasburg. Two earned runs or less in his last eight starts, 5-1 and one with a 169 ERA, a 167-209, 300 line against in his last 42 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 173 ERA, 205, 154-183, 300-line in 26 innings. But facing a Marlins team, he struggled against this season, 0-2, 6-0-0 ERA before today, 333, 415, 444 line against in nine innings. He's down 3 nothing early after a bunt single, double, and a three-run home run in the first. With the score 3-2 in the second, uh, 3-2 after three, Derek Dietrich hits a solo blast at the second deck in right field. He's out after four. Uh, his velocity was noticeably down in the game, sitting around 92-94, that we hit 95-96 a couple times. He'd been sitting uh, 97 in his last start, got it up to 98.9. After the game, the reports from Matt Williams were that he was having problems in his upper back again, which is what landed him on the DL earlier this season before the oblique issue. What do you think the Nationals do with uh, Steven Strasburg going forward here? Is that it for him this season with over a month left? Do you just shut him down and try to get him healthy for next year? Or what do you think the Nationals are doing going forward? Well, it's clearly obvious to me that whatever continues to bother him isn't going to stop bothering him until he doesn't pitch for two to three months, and obviously that only means, you know, during whatever offseason he's going to have. Um, with the Nets, theoretically, in striking distance, it's going to be hard to justify ending his season unless he's physically incapable of going out there. But um, that calls into all sorts of questions about jeopardizing long-term future. I mean, we've seen how it can affect – we've seen firsthand how it can affect players playing through injury, not not pain or discomfort, but injury – in order to chase a, a, a division title, we saw in, in 2012 with, with Zimmerman and Espinosa, and you know Zimmerman still hasn't, hasn't ever been right, and Espinosa uh, just this season has started to get right. So the last thing that I think that anybody would want to do is to, ru- to continue to run Steven Strasburg out there if it's going to jeopardize his long-term career. Um, that being said, they can't justify shutting him down, uh, you know, if they're still trying to, to, to chase his pennant. So it's a very difficult situation. Um, I think they're going to have to see how um, how he responds to, to whatever anti-inflammatories they've given him today, uh, let it calm down, and, and then go and look at it in the coming days. But uh, it's just it's just a bad deal. I mean, Strasburg has looked really good since coming back from the disabled list. Um, you mentioned the velocity has been really good, but um, today, obviously, it just wasn't there. Um, gave up a couple of home runs to guys that shouldn't necessarily be hitting home runs off of Steven Strasburg um, and, and pulled him after four. And you just have to uh, keep your fingers crossed that when the Nets disclose this as being an upper back injury, that really is an upper back injury, and that isn't code for shoulder. Yeah, he had the upper back, according to what they said, obviously, last time it landed him on the DL. Doug asked, is even more frustrating the way he was going? As I mentioned, the uh, last eight starts, two earned runs or less, 173 ERA, 205, 154, 183, 200 line in 26 innings in August. Didn't look particularly comfortable out there at all today and kind of cast a pall over the Nationals' big win, 7-4 comeback, and unfortunately, Steven Strasburg left early, so that's what most people are going to be talking about after this win, unfortunately. 
Yeah, uh, in, in the last couple of starts, we saw that his uh, his velocity up was up, and really we had that good fastball command. Today, uh, you know, ninety three hour meatball and ninety three mile per hour, excuse me, meatball. Uh, sure, it's ninety three, but middle of the zone, people are going to square it up at this level, drink for at this level, even if it's only the Marlins. And uh, <laughs> Boar is certainly a strong enough young man that he, he's going to hit something in the high eighties out of there. And he he launched that uh, that that pitch that he got a hold of today, so, so something is clearly not right. Uh, as as we've seen a couple of times this season, uh, somehow Strass has gotten not right again, and I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I want to come up with something sarcastic and funny to blame this problem on, but it's just got me so aggravated I I can't really come up with anything. Um, you know they'll 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 give him whatever it is they give him. I, I don't know if cortisone shots even apply to this, but you know slap it all on there and and try and get him back before the end of the season because uh, boy, uh, if we got to stretch out Fister in addition to Roark here and and try and finish out the season, mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Dave, I was going to ask, what do you do if Strasburg is unavailable going forward, even for any length of time? Do you? put Pister back in there. You got Tanner Roark, as Doghouse mentioned, getting stretched out, but Joe mm-hmm. Ross appears to be close to his uh, innings limit for the season in his first full season, or, well, not first full season, but having pitched more innings than he has in any other uh, professional season so far this year. What do you do with the Nationals if Steven Strasburg is unavailable for the rest of the way? Well, I mean, I think I, I think you have to turn back to Fister. Um, Roark is already the the in place replacement for Joe Ross. If they need another starter, then then Fister's the logical place. Uh, he's been okay when he's been asked to pitch in relief at this point. I mean, and I say okay, question. I don't know what the numbers are. I know that that, that he's been slightly better than what he was when he was starting, but uh, I don't know that, that anybody can say for certainty that. Um, you know, the, the Fisher would be any any better than he was earlier if they put him back to start. But, um, you know, it's just, you know, this season just keeps getting worse for the Nats. I mean, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I mean, if you looked at the beginning of the season and, and you looked at the, the talent assembled uh, by Mike Rizzo and, you, and looking at it objectively, it would have been hard to argue that this team, you know, should have been in the – 93, 94, 95 win range and, and you know, could have been better. But you look at it and say, okay, maybe this happens that knocks it down to three wins. Maybe this happens that knocks it down to 92 wins. But to say, okay, Nats, here's your opening day roster and starting rotation, and Denard Span's only going to get 200 at-bats, and, George, and uh, Ryan Zimmerman's only going to get 300 at-bats, and, and, and Jason Worth's only going to get 300 at-bats, and Steven Strasburg's going to be in and out of the disabled list all year, and Doug Fister's going to completely regress to where you yank him for the rotation, and Tanner Roark is going to go back to, to, to single A uh, in August, and, um, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, and not even mentioning Anthony Rendon and, and, and other guys. It's just every single little thing that could have gone wrong for the Nats, and a lot of big things have gone wrong this season to completely derail what should have been a, a clear division champion and and and, and possible uh, World Series contender. It's just it's just completely wrecked the season. It's a completely lost season. I mean, even if they do resurrect here in in September and win this division, this isn't a team that's going to win the World Series. 
just adding some details from the post game on Strasburg. Left with, uh, Chelsea James from the Washington Post says he left with discomfort in the upper back, similar to the uh, problem he had earlier this season, describes it as a knot that acts up sometimes. So hopefully it is just something in the upper back. Doghouse moving on to the Marlins starter. Brad Hand, 0-5 in nine games, seven starts for his Nationals in his career, a 7-7-1 ERA, 2-99, line against, and 32 and two-thirds. Uh, since moving back in the rotation, though, he's been solid, 3-1 and in five starts before today, 2-9-0 ERA, 2-6-0-5, line, and 31 innings. Two scoreless to start, but Michael A. Taylor singles and scores on a two-run uh, blast by Jason Worth, make it 3-2 at that point. 4-2 in the fifth when the Nats get the line moving. RBI double by Worth, singles by Harper, and a really good at-bat. Ian Desmond as well, 5-4 to four at that point. They pile on a little earlier, and we'll get to Clint Robinson in a minute, but Hand looked like he was having his way with the Nationals early, and then they put out they put together that big rally to kind of knock him out of the game, rerun fifth that really put, decided the game, essentially. Yeah, I, I tell you, this this is one of those, those things that kind of sticks with you as a longtime Nats fan, because in the early part of the game, it, it, it looked like Hand, who is not particularly good and has never been particularly good against the Nats, is having his way with the Nets. And, uh, you know, the first, say, time and a half through the order, you know, they're, they're scrapping a little bit here and there, but uh, Bryce Harper is the microcosm of the team as he chased three consecutive breaking balls out of the zone to strike out twice in a row. Maybe it wasn't exactly that, but it certainly seemed like it. But uh, the Nets do manage to adjust and if you are a bad pitcher, they'll eventually figure you out most of the time, and that's what happens here tonight. And the nice capper of that was instead of trying to ball, uh, to pull the breaking balls out of the zone, uh, Harper finally went with the pitch and uh, hit one the other way, completely defeating the shift and knocking in a run to, to put the Nats right back in it. And that was that was satisfying. But as, as a longtime Nats fan, you always remember that first part and think, oh, boy, here we go again. Dave, that at-bat he's mentioning by Harper came with uh, two down in the fifth inning, a 2-2 slider outside. He goes the other way with it and beats the shift. Ryan Zimmerman follows with a ground ball, single. Ian Desmond comes up, hits a single to center to bring in the fifth run of the game at that point. But uh, Jason Worth's double is huge there to bring Michael Taylor around. But that two-out at-bat by Bryce Harper ends up being a key part in that rally and just a really nice at-bat. And like Doug has said, he was a little looked a little lost in the first two at-bats against Hand. Finally decided to take what he was being given at that point and really nice at-bat there to keep the rally going. Yeah, I mean, that was a really nice at-bat. Um, Doug House mentioned how, how Harper had, had troubles with him the first couple times up. And, you know, sometimes – and, and this is going to be a really elementary, elementary thing to say, but sometimes those things happen. So the certain pitchers, um, you know, just have to have that certain look or whatever that, that, that really bothers hitters. And, uh, you know, obviously hand the lefty against Harper off, off, right off the bat makes it a little bit tougher for him. But, um, but yeah, you know, Harper uh, stayed back in that at bat. Uh, um, you know, the catcher was setting up on the outside corner the entire time, like he's been doing all season long. And, um, and finally, Hand just left one out there a little bit, a little bit too much that Harper just flicked out into the outfield, and, and that just really shows uh, an elevated approach there. He recognized what was going on. He, he learned from his first couple of bats and figured, okay, look, I've got a guy on base. Um, I don't have to get one in the seats here. All I have to do is flip it out to the outfield, and this is going to get a run home. And, and, and that's exactly what he did. And then the uh, and then the Marlins. Uh, 
general manager turned manager who's never managed a day in his life before he got the big league job decided to leave that starting pitcher in long and the Nats just roughed him up and, and, and cemented the win there. I got to the bullpen in the sixth inning to doghouse. Uh, Danny Espinosa leads off with a double one out later. Clint Robinson steps in, gets a three, one fastball, a 99 mile an hour heater from the Marlins reliever. Who, uh, his name is escaping me. Eric Tordier puts it in the upper deck and right second home run in two games. The pinch hit blast by Robinson just continues this kind of spectacular season for the 30 year old rookie. I know he he's he's been uh, uh, Robinson has been a, a great story I think for the Nats uh, another good one in addition to what we've seen from Michael Taylor so far this year and considering how how long he stuck with the game until he finally got a chance to to really stick at the big league level and and show what he could do he's up there he's he's like the the second coming of good Chaz, Chad Tracy except even a little bit better. You know, and we, we can we can carp all we want about how immobile he is out in the field, but uh, he has a, a good batting eye, good pop, good contact skills. This is uh, exactly the sort of a bench player and occasional starter that you need to make uh, to make a successful team. And uh, I I hope we see him next season. He's got that really sweet, easy lefty swing. He makes contact when he's out there and. His bat has kept him on this team the whole time this season, his first full full season in the majors, and just really a good story all around for him. But Dave, I think the offensive MVP for the night, uh, arguably Jason Worth, two for four, two runs scored, three RBIs, a two-run home run, RBI double, a walk in his last trip to the plate late in the game. Just really nice resurgence here from Jason Worth. I wrote about Ryan Zimmerman picking it up at the plate too, Ian Desmond having a great second half, but Jason Worth, since they moved them to the top of that order, has really just come up big for the Nationals. Still just hitting 209 on the year, but a really big day at the plate and a really big home run to start the comeback. Yeah, you know, um, uh, Jason Worth certainly has had his struggles this year. Um, it, it's nice to see um, him having a little bit of production here. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully this team collectively can, can catch fire down the stretch that, that everybody's injuries are starting to – um, to abate and, and they're feeling good and, and being productive and, and this team can um, reel off a stretch of winning you know 13 out of 15 or whatever and um, and chase down the Mets because um, you know really that that's what's going to take but um, but you're right a, a nice day from work there I think he realizes um, he's one of the, these few players that, that that you know you put him in different sections of the lineup um, his approach doesn't change I mean he's a guy that. Um, that's always uh, worked the count. Always look for um, a pitch in his zone, and um, and whether he's um, whether he's adjusting his approach um, due to limitations for injury or whatnot, um, he's having some success with it. Uh, uh, sporadic, but he is having some success with it. So hopefully, um, just a harbinger of, of the Nats' production here down the stretch, and they can um, you know they can actually go down and, and chase the Mets down. After Strasburg and Fister, it was Felipe Rivero with a 16-pitch 7th, Drew Storen, a 13-pitch 9-strike 8th, Jonathan, Jonathan Pappelbaum, 8-pitch 9th uh, inning, save number 22, is 5th with the Nationals to lock up the win. We'll end with another in a long line of impossible trivia questions for you guys, see if either of you can get the answers. Ian Desmond took his 
had three walks today. I just have what question mark written after that. First time since 2011 that he's walked three times in a game, only the second time in his career. Can either of you name the opponent he walked against, the team he walked three times against in 2011, and bonus points if you can get either of the two pitchers who issued two of them uh, by one pitcher or one of them by the other. Doghouse? Uh, I can't remember the pitchers, but I'm pretty sure it was the Dodgers. Wow, he gets the first part right. Dave, any guesses on the pitchers? The, Do- the Dodgers pitchers in 2011? <laughs> yes, sir. I said it yeah, was I'm, I'm, a ridiculously impossible trivia question. <laughs> I'm going to take a pass and just let you tell the folks. Uh, it's two from Hiroki Kuroda and one from former one-time national Mike McDougal for Desmond's only other three-walk game of his career. Nationals win 7-4 to today, 66-63 and 63 on the year. The Mets win again, unfortunately, salvage the series finale with the Red Sox. They're still five and a half back. They still have six games to play with the Mets, though. The Mets, I think, are playing Philadelphia next. The Nationals go for a tough series with St. Louis, one of the best home teams in the majors in Bush Stadium. So see what they can do this week in the three-game set out there in Missouri. Matt Knightley is sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. Talk to both of you guys tomorrow night. It's going to be a late one with an 8 o'clock start, but hopefully we'll talk to both after the game. Go Nats.